When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The matchup for the AFC South crown that no one expected. The Jaguars are coming to Houston and the Texans are coming for the crown. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. And welcome to the bullpen. I'm James Roy. This is Tom Chavaria, and we're here to talk Texans. We're here to get you ready for this matchup between the Texans and the Jaguars. Fitting that our intro has the knife that ended the last game between these two teams earlier in the season in Jacksonville. I I'm hyped to be going to this game in Houston. Tom, how do you feel about this matchup? I'm jealous that you're going to this game in Houston. Now, I feel great. I, I think this is an awesome test. This is going to be definitely a measuring stick for the Texans. Obviously, they've played some good football. They've played some good teams. But I think this is really going to be able to tell you exactly. A lot of people felt that Jacksonville had this division won before the season even started. There was going to be some competition, but they didn't see it coming from Houston. And now, with this game... They can say that not only did they sweep the season series, but they took first place from Jacksonville. I think that'd be an awesome accomplishment. It would only pad the resume for CJ Stroud for a potential MVP. I think that there's so much to gain in this game, and I'm really hoping that they realize that and they get it. No, yeah, I agree with you. Now, as someone who has been very low on Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, got to call out that they had both insanely good games this past week against the Titans. Um, not not saying a lot from the perspective of the competition, but it is the NFL, and putting up the numbers they did this past week is impressive, and it's reason to believe that they're coming in with momentum. So in, in my eyes, I agree with you on all points. This is, this is a big barometer for how the Texans are. This is probably... Um, and, you know, to this point in the season, I feel like we've been talking about the or the Bengals game leading up to that game, and every game before that seemed like it had some sort of like you know this could be the biggest game the Texans play this season, and this legitimately through the rest of the season is is the biggest and and toughest game the Texans will play. They have the the lowest strength of or one of the easiest strength of schedules going through the rest of the season, and this is is a true test. Really, they have some defenses coming up in the Browns and the Jets that will test them in other ways. Um, but the the division rivalry, the any given Sunday aspect really just comes into play when you talk about a game that's happening, especially at this level, this early in the season that could decide the division. I mean, there's more football to be played, but at the end of this game, the Texans could very well be at the top of the AFC South. Um, do you think that being at home is going to give the Texans a huge advantage here? They're currently sitting, I believe, at 4-1 and one at home. And they beat the Jaguars already in Jacksonville. Do you, do you think that home field plays an advantage here? I think that it has to with how evenly matched I feel that these teams are. I think when you think about 
both of these teams and what they want to do and their skill positions. I think there's a lot of like, you know, one, one, a one, I mean, could go either way, coin flip type stuff. So in those kind of situations, you really feel like the home field crowd matters. I think they spoke to it in the post game after uh, winning against Arizona, that the crowd really showed out. They were loud. It was one of the loudest games of the season. I think this game could trump that. And I think that that is going to be a home field advantage that they can take advantage of a false start, hard to get the signal in, you know, some, some miscommunication. Uh, any of those things would be huge for the Texans where they're going to need everything. I think in, in a game that should be pretty close. I agree with you. And I think, to get the discussion started off on the matchup, personally, the biggest factor that to me plays into this, having come off a week where CJ Stroud threw three interceptions, um, you know, turnovers were not a factor in the Texans matchup with the Jaguars. From their side, there was like no turning over of the ball. They took care of it. I think a big factor that's going to play in is is can CJ learn and play this Jaguars defense? And once again, is a defense that is supposed to be really good. It's supposed to challenge CJ. They didn't really do that last time they played, but now we're in Houston, which is good for us, but they know CJ. They've played him. They have the film on the Texans offense and they're they're more ready and they have they have more reason to, you know, know that they know what they're getting out of the Texans. Whereas the Texans kind of surprised them uh in the first matchup of the season. So to me the turnover battle is going to be a huge factor. Just talking broad strokes about the game. Do you have a factor in mind for yourself that is going to really make the difference in this matchup. The one that I'm thinking of that I've that I've kind of like put, you know, in my head as something that's going to be interesting leading up to this game is health. I'm really interested to see who is available for these Texans on Sunday. Obviously, we don't have definitive answers on that yet, and if they come in with, you know, all their 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 bullets then, then that 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 begs the question. All right, where does the rock go? You know, there's there's so many guys we could talk about. Uh, Devin Singletary has had two amazing games back to back. We could see the return of Damian Pierce, and if Damian Pierce is back in there, is that something that kind of takes away? I mean, I really am interested as to why we haven't seen more Mike Boone with without Damian Pierce. He's been, you know, just leaned on. Um, and and you know that it's going to be more of a committee thing if Damian is back in there. So I'll be interested to see how that works out. I'll be interested in the running back position as well. I will say that I, I remember very vividly last time the Texans played the Jaguars, they had the most players in the NFL on IR. So uh, if they're a little banged up going to this one, they're still in a lot better shape than they were going into the last matchup. But I agree with the key pieces that are out. It's it's very important. I, I'd like to see Jimmy Ward come back for this game. That would be major. And Henry Toa Toa would give that linebacker rotation a lot of blow. Um, I, I'm not super familiar with how Corey Littleton did in his role as a starter this past uh, week, but I know that that defense will definitely benefit from Toa Toa's presence. Now, to speak to the Jaguars' offense, we've already kind of briefly covered it. Do you, Do you think... So I believe last time we played them, I believe Derek Stingley was on IR. Was he? He was, because that was the breakout game for Steven Nelson, right? So with that, Derek Stingley's back. The Texans are now, you know, in a better position in their secondary from the cornerback position. Do you, how do you think that affects Trevor Lawrence, who I didn't necessarily have a great game against the Texans last time they played? 
it'll be interesting to see if it changes the way he tries to attack this defense. Obviously, he's got some weapons, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, um, Evan Ingram, and these guys have all flashed at different points in the season with phenomenal games. And this past week, a lot of people thought that Christian Kirk might have a great game, and Calvin Ridley went out there and had 100, 100 yards and two touchdowns. So he has all the tools, and then, oh, by the way, there's this running back, Travis Etienne, behind him that has carved up the Texans in the past. So I, I, I wonder I wonder if maybe you see more out of maybe Evan Ingram, you see more out of Kirk and less out of Ridley because Singley, like you said, is back, and now he can really take that matchup one-on-one. It'll just be interesting. I mean, I personally hope that they all struggle, but somebody's probably going to have to eat for that Jaguar, that Jaguar offense. I agree, and I just looked it up, and I confirmed Derek Stingley did not play against the Jaguars. That was his first game in his IR stint. And so Steven Nelson did a great job, and I think that also you know, gives me reason to believe that even if Calvin Ridley doesn't eat, who, who is going to pick it up outside of it? Unless we don't have Jimmy Ward back, but I mean, Carter Houston has played decent enough that I, I don't know if I'm super concerned at this point. I, you know, a lot of my concern comes from the division rivalry aspect of the game. The, the stuff that's at stake outside of what's on the field. But speaking to Travis Etienne, Etienne, um, you know, didn't exactly have, he was one of the ones that didn't have a particularly great game against the Titans. It was like 54 rushing yards and like really nothing else. Um, don't ask me how I know that. Uh, but it, so do you think Etienne, do you think that this, so the Texans defensive ranks prior to this week were eighth on rushing and 24th on pass defense. Do you think, that the Texans maybe, you know, do you think ETN finds the hole in the Texans defense or do you think that they turn to him and try and lean on him because the passing offense is not working and they come to find that they just don't really have any offensive weapons? I feel like if I was uh, on the other side of the football and not, and I was rooting for the Jags and I was trying to break down this Jags game, I would hope that ETN would be highly involved. I think that when you include the running back in the pass game, it's really a challenge if you have that kind of guy that you can throw the football to, a la Christian McCaffrey, a la Saquon Barkley, and then get him out into space where he doesn't have to go through the tackles, that sort of thing. ETN has that in him. He, he's had monster games receiving. And I think that if if I was the other side, that's what I would be pulling for. Hopefully the Texans are well-versed with that and and they just absolutely lock that up. James Conner really wasn't that dude and he didn't present that problem. So they really didn't have to worry about a dual threat running back. I think the biggest fear for me as far as ETN is ability to catch the football as opposed to finding holes in the, in the line that's been pretty good. No, yeah. And and so then back to the passing game, because um, I, I, I mean, not to quickly move away from preventing the run, Will Anderson had a lot of good plays in preventing the run, but going back, Will Anderson had a sack this past week. Um, I believe his first sack was against Jacksonville. I could be wrong there, but I I want to say that was when he got his first sack. Um, but looking at the pass rush going into this game, do you feel like the Texans, you know, I feel like when they played the Jaguars last time, that was an integral part of stopping them. Do you think that, that it'll be even more so, or it'll be easier. I don't want to. I don't know if easier is the right term, but this pass rush has improved so much throughout the weeks. 
that do you think that when they meet up with this Jaguars O-line that it'll be a little easier to get some pressure on Trevor Lawrence? I think they will be able to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence. My fear is that Trevor Lawrence has shown in this past week against Tennessee that he's willing to do it with his legs. He ran for two scores, and you spoke to it on our last show talking about uh, Arizona and Kyler's ability to do it with his feet. And if it wasn't for a holding call, he would have had a huge, you know, a monster 50-yard run. So I really hope that that's not an issue for the Texans this week. But he's shown that he can do it. And if there was a scenario where they could take advantage of, of, of clearly something that the Texans have struggled struggle with, it would be Trevor Lawrence being able to use his legs to extend plays and then be able to get a first down or a touchdown or whatever if he needs to with his feet. No, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, as far as the offense goes for the Texans, so you already touched on the running back situation and if Damian Pierce comes back, how that looks. To get more deep into that discussion, do you think that it's possible the Texans lean on Devin Singletary over Damian Pierce when Damian Pierce returns? Um, aside from like a, a potential snap count, like you know, for Damian Pierce, if Damian Pierce is full go, is there any universe where they don't at least give him a shot to like prove that you know with the improved run blocking that the team has shown that he can take advantage of it too? That's where. D'Amico Ryans earns all the money that they pay him because that's a decision I wouldn't want to make because obviously you came into the season with this guy, you uh, made him your, your, your bell cow, your number one dude, and then he gets hurt. And then all Devin Singletary did was go, look at me. I can absolutely be that guy and has two monster games. And now you're going to take the ball away from him when he's clearly had some success. That, there's going to be somebody cr- – criticizing that move either way if he stays with Singletary then it's uh well what about Damian Pierce what are you gonna do with Damian Pierce is he done if he goes to Damian Pierce and he doesn't perform well are you second guessing it now because you had a guy that was hot and you went away from him like those are tough 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 decisions and uh, I'm really interested to see what happens I agree with you that I wouldn't want to make that decision but if you're asking me to make it um, I roll with Devin Singletary as the starter, and then I split usage until I find the hot hand, and then I ride the hot hand until it's not and switch. I think that's what you have to do. And so personally, my biggest critique of the team uh, throughout the game on that situation would be if they if they didn't manage to adjust accordingly based off of how each running back is performing. I think that's just more like I, I like both. I would never have a problem if one played more than the other. I just want the running back that has the hot hand and is going to give the Texans the best chance to win to be out there. So, like, if Singletary comes out first and gets stonewalled and then Pierce gets his run and he does well and then they try and go back to Singletary, I'd be a little frustrated. Um, but, I, I, like you said, it is not a decision I want to make. It's why, you know, where D'Amico earns his salt is, is by making the right decision there, talking with Bobby and feeling out what, what works. Um, but I think D'Amico's done a great job of playing guys based off of how he thinks they're going to perform as opposed to you know, preconceived notions of who was the starter when and who was drafted where and, and what we had going on. You know, like I, I said it to you during the, uh, the recap of the Cardinals game. Uh, you know, this is not the same team that was being projected as a five-and-a-half win team 
preseason projections are not really valid here. And so so looking at this team right now, you got to look at the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win and you got to let him play. That's just plain and simple what it is. Uh moving into CJ Stroud. We briefly touched on it. He can't throw three picks in this game. This is just not the game to do it. If there was ever a game to do it, it was against the Cardinals 100%. How do you think that the Jaguars will adjust to CJ? A lot, a lot of what worked. So in, in our intro, there's a clip of Tank Dell scoring in the fourth quarter, eight minutes and 59 seconds left. That route was a bunch of, you know, a, a trips bunch on the right-hand side of the formation. And Tank just got lost in the shuffle and came wide open free. So I don't know if they're going to give him a lot of those looks going into this week. So how do you think the Jaguars are going to adjust to cover what CJ can, is capable of? I think they're going to look at what the Texans have done the last three or four weeks and go, okay, we need to make Dalton Schultz beat us. We need to make uh, Robert Woods beat us. We need to make whoever their running back is beat us. Because right now what CJ Stroud is doing with the ball up top vertically, um, it can't, it can't be ignored. I, I think in that first matchup, I think Tank Dell, we knew him. I don't know that Jacksonville knew him. Now you definitely know who he is. Uh, Noah Brown, if he's available, you know who he is. Nico Collins, you know who he is. So these are guys they're going to account for. And I think if 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 I'm scheming to stop the Texans, it probably starts there. So I imagine you're going to see more dime, more, more nickel, more quarter coverages with extra D-backs to try to slow down what so far has been one of the best quarterbacks in football and make him earn it on the ground or in front of him little by little by little by little as opposed to allowing, you know, 20 and 30 and 40-yard chunk plays at a time. No, yeah, and and I think that an interesting observation I saw is that a lot of the Texans' offense, you know, a lot of the teams can do this, but the Texans count on running two routes on a given play. So they'll have like, you know, for example, Noah Brown and, and Tank Dell running routes up the field in different spots and the way they scheme it, usually CJ can get one of them open um, and, and hit them. So if I'm Jacksonville, I'm looking at a lot of those plays and saying, how can we lock down both routes? Cause that should be pre- conceptually or, you know, theoretically as an NFL defense, if a, a, the other team is running two routes, you should have enough talent on your team to shut down both routes. It shouldn't be that hard. It's when you get more players involved, you know, in the, in the modern NFL with a lot of passing schemes, the more players that are running routes, you kind of get that, shuffle you know like we were talking about with the the trips bunch with uh tank dell where they kind of schemed him open by with the routes he just kind of got lost in that shuffle so uh, if i'm jacksonville i'm honing in on those two route plays because a lot a lot of the explosive plays happen when the texans are running two routes which is wild to me um but i i mean i think that the texans shouldn't expect to get quite as much um wide open quite as many wide open like you know looks against the jaguars this time I would suspect that this game, I mean, I, I think you do too. I don't want to speak for you, but I would suspect this game is going to be a lot closer simply for the fact that the Jaguars will be able to play those routes and, and the Texans scheme a lot better knowing what they know now. Um, but also, so looking at the offensive line, um, I, I don't have the PFF grades in front of me. We record this on Sunday night, so I hadn't seen them yet. Um, but looking at how the O-line performed today, um, are there any particular players that you want to? Or not today. Well, I guess it is today, but against the Cardinals, 
the Texans offensive line, are there any particular players that you want to call out or you know, shout out as being good or bad? What were your observations there? I think as a unit, they were very good. Uh, obviously, CJ had plenty of time. I think when he got into trouble, he was trying to extend a play well past what you would ask any offensive line to, to really block for. Um, they, there wasn't a lot of laundry, didn't have a whole lot of penalties. All in all, I think they played really well. That being said, Arizona is not some amazing defense. I think the Jaguars are definitely a step up in that regard. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, some of their edge rushers that are that are much better and, and how well they do there. No, yeah. Okay. Uh, as far as the game as a whole goes, um, I guess we'll move more towards the prediction phase of this. And we're going to try um, a new segment on the podcast. Uh, it's going to be the, the bullpen's prop. We don't have a name for it yet, but we're, we're going to look at the Texans' props for the game, set up each of us our, our own slip, if you will, and, um, and, and you can use it. I, we're not experts, so this is by no means us doing what like Barstool did with Big Cat and saying this is like a sure bet. That, that is open. That would be a legal suicide to tell you that we know anything about it. But um, yeah, so here, here goes nothing. So my bullpen prop prediction, if you will, is Tank Dell. Tank Dell's anytime touchdown is, is half a touchdown. Out of the nine games he's played in, he's scored in five of them. He's on a three-game streak. I, I like that. The other two legs are C.J. Stroud completions over 22 and a half. There's been about three or four games where he has not completed more than that many passes. So I, I like the over on that. And then to pick from the Jaguars, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, 254 and a half yards on the under because he's playing the Texans and he just has not statistically performed very well against the Texans. And so, yeah, that's my pick. Three legs uh, and all the information is from Sleeper Picks. Hey guys, here are a few picks that I think are really great on the Prize Picks app for our Houston Texans versus Jacksonville Jaguar game this weekend. I think you have to look at uh, CJ Stroud, 273.5 yards, take the over. I think that's a really easy one. He's been over 300 yards the last few games. I can't see him not getting there. If you want to make your card bigger, better, better, I think some of the pass catchers from the Texans, like Nico Collins at 57 and a half, the over on him looks really good. Dalton Shorts, I think, uh, Schultz, sorry. I think he's at uh, 40 yards. I think you can take the over there. And from the Jacksonville side of things, you can really look at a guy like Christian Kirk. I think Calvin Ridley's going to get the uh, Derek Stingley Jr. coverage. So Christian Kirk should have a big day. He's at 57 and a half. I think you can take the over on that. And those are some picks that I think you can make a little extra money on prize picks. Get in there, check it out. So with that, we'll move into our predictions for the score this week and story time, which I know all of you love that are still here listening. Um, so, Tom, Texans, Jaguars, I feel like we're both going to have similar predictions here. I, I just have a feeling, but I'd love to know where your head's at here. These are two elite offenses going at the moment, putting up tons of points. It's absolutely going to be six to three Texans. Going away. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> I was like, wow, maybe we're not on the same page. <laughs> I truly believe that it's going to be one of those games where the last team with the football is going to win. I do believe that while the Texans defense has been good, 
and had very, very good segments of football. They've also been able to give up some yardage and some points to teams that are inferior compared to Jacksonville, in my opinion. So I would believe that Jacksonville is going to be able to go and score with this team. That being said, I love that it's in Houston. I love that, you know, our fans are out there, you know, making home field a thing again. I think for a while, obviously, the, the, the product on the field wasn't good, but now it is. And people are going out to the, you know, to NRG and filling that place. So um, I do believe we're going to see a 50 plus point total in this game. Uh, the, the, the number that I have in my head right now is like 34 28 Houston. I think that feels right to me. I think. If the Texans win, they're going to have to put up 30 points. And I just don't know how you're going to be able to stop a Jacksonville team that looks like they kind of got their mojo a little bit. They really took it to Tennessee. I was surprised that they they were able to put 34 points on them. And it probably could have been worse. The game was just so out of reach. They really didn't have any reason to keep scoring. Um, I think it was 24 to nothing before Tennessee was able to get something on the board. So, obviously... CJ is going to have to play well. This whole team's going to have to play well. But I think they're up to the task. I think they know what's in front of them, and it should be a great game. No, yeah. I I, I think we're on the same wavelength. I, we're close. So before you start talking, I thought of my numbers to make sure that um, that I wasn't just going to say, wow, exactly the same thing. Wow, we're, we're right there. Mine were different. Um, my prediction is 27 to 24. I think that the Texans come back to win. Um, I just think that's the fashion the Texans like to win in, so I, I, it's a safe bet to say that this will probably be a come-from-behind victory. Um, not that I want it. I want another you know, 30-something to you know, 17 thrashing uh, like the Texans did. That was a good game. Loved that game. Um, but I, So storybook ending. We'll start about, I want to say, we'll go four minutes left, or sorry, two minutes left in the fourth quarter. We'll just do, go straight to two minutes, Bill. The Jaguars have just driven down and scored a touchdown. It is now 24-20. to 20. The Texans are down, and C.J. Stroud is getting the ball. Cliché, common, happened a lot of times this season. Say what you will about it, but it's the perfect situation because the Texans' offense doesn't just have to get a field goal. They have to get a touchdown, and that has motivated Bobby Slowick to call the offense in a way that's conducive to moving the ball down the field efficiently and scoring a touchdown. And he's really good at calling plays when that's the goal. Um, so the Texans set up shop at the 25-yard line, touchback on the kickoff. Um, a lot of early moments in the drive, it feels like, you know, oh, you know, as Texans fans, we've become used to CJ getting out of these situations. So like a third and 11 on that drive is not incredibly stressful, but it is not what we wanted to see. Um, and so a couple of third and longs. Um, at the midfield, there's a fourth down conversion. We get down. There's about 24 seconds left in the game. CJ has they've just converted from fourth down, and Noah Brown puts him at the 40-yard line. CJ drops back and just absolutely launches a bomb to Tank Dell. Tank Dell takes it. It's like at the 15-yard line on the right right side, just like on a, a little like slow, smooth corner right there takes it, catches it, barely gets two feet in. It's one of those signature tank Dell catches on the sideline. Um, we're sitting at the 15-yard line. This this feels like um, one of our recent matchups. I feel like we were on the 15-yard line and then scored. That was the Buccaneers. There we go. 
I see. I, I, you know, I like to, I like to, in my artistry of storytelling, it's always nice to pull from real life. So this is me doing that because real life sometimes is the best inspiration for these stories. Um, but, you know, 10 seconds left, the Texans, you know, third down, last shot. They barely moved the ball because Slowick decided to run the ball twice um, for some unknown reason. They had the timeouts to stop the clock, so whatever. But CJ drops back, you know, basically last try. They'll have another one if he misses because it's third down. But uh, drops back. They boot him left like they always do. Why do they do that? Who knows? He's right-handed. It doesn't make any sense. But they boot him left. He he circles back around, rolls right. Looks very like Russell Wilson scrambling for that two-point conversion a couple years back for the Seahawks. He's just dog-legging back. He's at the 30-yard line. This is like, what are you doing, CJ? The clock's run out. Very rookie moves. Everyone's like, oh, it's over. CJ finally had a rookie moment late in the game. But then Robert Woods happens. He is He's just wide open. This time he didn't step out of bounds in the back of the end zone. Granted, he didn't step out of bounds in the back of the end zone against the Bengals, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, CJ sees him, finds him, uses his spidey senses that he has and you know uses very well. And just hits him with a dot. Just there's no bang, or there's no uh, Jaguars defenders near Robert Woods. The play has just gone on too long. There's no reasonable expectation that anyone on the Texans is covered. Um, and CJ just hits him in the, the right hand corner of the end zone from from the 30 yard line on a third and goal from the 12 yard line. Just absolutely smokes it to him and, and gets the touchdown. The Texans kick the extra point. Or I guess they don't technically need to. It'll be the end of the game. There's there's no time on the clock. So you have to refresh my memory on if they have to kick that extra point or not. I don't think they do. <coughs> but they might make them do it. I'm pretty sure in the end of regulation, they make them kick the extra point. But if it was the end of overtime, it would just be done. I could be wrong. I don't know if like that. I, I'm unfamiliar. Not thinking about it right now. But yeah, and then the Texans win either 26 or 27 to 24. I'm predicting 27, so I'm kind of hopeful that they get to kick that. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's that's uh, probably one of my. I think that's one of my better storybook endings. I think so. All I know is the, the 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 main story Monday morning in Houston will be heart attacks on the rise <laughs> as the Texans are just killing. We're talking people. about that blood pressure in Houston. There's no need to affect it. The Texans are not helping it. They're not it these past three weeks. I cannot imagine the fan base on Twitter, on PSF, on anywhere after a call like that. Like, unbelievable ending. Team of destiny to the Super Bowl. They can't ever lose again. I mean, that's 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 about as wild as it could get. I hope that nothing like that happens. Oh, I need I'm, them to I'm win, but I, nothing I'm like hoping for a thrashing or at least a you know nothing too stressful. But you know it's the Texans, so if the past three weeks or anything have shown us anything, just you know monitor your blood pressure while you're watching the Texans. Tom, do you have any final observations about this matchup before we go ahead and and send the viewers home with with you know hope and and dreams for what's to happen on Sunday? The one thing I want to say, and we talked about it in the last show, and I just I just want to reiterate a little bit, is like, look, this team is well ahead of where anybody thought they would be. I understand that that they may not come out on the right end of this one. Jacksonville is is a good football team. It is not like any of the last three teams where I felt that they were inferior. While while you may have 
your feelings about Trevor Lawrence and what he can and can't do and what he is and what he isn't. They're winning football games and they were predicted to win football games and they're, and they're getting it done. And they were very impressive and very convincing against Tennessee. And they could come into Houston and get a win and I would still be incredibly excited about what this season could be, about where the Texans could go. There's still so much football left to be played. So I would tell the fans, if I could tell them anything at all, it's like, look, if it doesn't go our way, it'll be okay. No, I 100% agree with you, or I, I guess 98%. Most of what you said, I, I, don't have, I can't think of anything I disagree with what you said. I'm just being difficult. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. Um, I, I'm ecstatic to be at the game. I'm ecstatic for what, what's to come for the Texans. And my last remark is, um, as much as people don't like that, I talk about it. I, I can assume at this point, I've just really beat it to death and I'll continue to talk about it. Cause you know, some people do like, I, I guess to hear it, the MVP discussion, I don't think it was affected by last week, but what I'll say is this, this is the kind of game that, that catapults you firmly and squarely into the national media's front runner for MVP if if the performance uh, matches the description of MVP. So CJ Stroud um, is probably not thinking about it, not going to lie. He probably has not given a single thought to MVP. I think his exact quote on it was like, they'll love you one week and hate you the next, which he very much embodied this week because there was a lot of people that saw three interceptions on the stat sheet and said, oh, well, how can you, you know, how can you talk about CJ like he's MVP now? I don't think it's uh, very many, but there's uh, probably a few people who looked at the stat sheet and decided that was the the point to be taken from it. But as much as people may or may not like it, the MVP discussion I think rests a lot on this game. This is this is the biggest proof it game. It's it's very similar to me to like college football, how the rankings shift. Like you know, when you play a good team and you win, this kind of game, like a good win with a great C.J. Stroud performance. Um, speaks volumes in that discussion. I totally disagree. I think could he could he go a long way to winning the MVP if he balls out against Jacksonville in his house and they they become first in the division? Absolutely. Could he lose the MVP because they don't win that game on Sunday? Absolutely not. I, think, I don't think it takes. I, I'm literally trying to say like he a good game, like an incredible game this week against the Jaguars is like his best chance to really state his case. I That's think fair. that if he had a similar game to today, that doesn't change anything. Like, uh, if he has the exact same game he had today against the Jaguars, a loss would would change things. But as long as the Texans win, you know, and he's not at fault for a loss, there's very little that could affect his standings in the MVP running. It would take catastrophic failure. But James, can... real quick, what's your record at, at 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 games? At games, ooh. So let's see. First game I went to was in 06 on Christmas Eve against the Colts. That was a win. Um, I went to see the Texans play the Chargers out here when the Chargers moved to L.A. That was a win. I saw them play the Chargers in NRG before that, and that was a loss. And then both games I went to last season were losses. So I'm pretty sure I'm like two and three, I want to say. I'm I, I I'm hoping I was hoping to avoid that topic of discussion. I'm not trying to be the reason the Texans don't win this weekend. I'm just trying to enjoy it. And one of the games I went to was their game against the Jaguars last year, which, as we all know, didn't go super well. So, I just, I just thought, you know, since, since we're over here doing the whole hypothetical, this is what MVP could happen, 
I just was wondering if if there was any luck or any you know <laughs> non luck by, by Houston Chronicle story by John McClain. James Roy, Texans fan living in California, comes to game, causes the Texans to lose, and removes C.J. Stroud from the MVP race. You heard it here first. Ugh, I really don't want that to be true. Ugh, that would be... I would I would never attend a game again. I, I'd relinquish my season ticket. So. You're in luck. McLean no longer writes for the Chronicle, so it won't Thank be God. him. Thank God. <laughs> I, was really, I, I thought he didn't, but that's just the first name that comes to mind when I think of the Houston Chronicle. Yeah. It was Brooks Cabinia, but uh, I hope I said that right. But he's with the Eagles now. So that's yeah. But, yeah, so I guess to recap that last wild five minutes of the podcast, um, I hope I'm not the reason the Texans lose to the Jaguars and C.J. Stroud can really make leaps and bounds in the MVP race with a great performance this weekend. Um, this has been the bullpen. I have been James Roy. That's been Tom Chabria. I'm at M1 Texans fan on all my social media, and he is at Third Coast Tom on X, which is exclusively how he refers to the app and not Twitter. He would never use the term Twitter because they changed their name, and he's a respecter of name changes. So why would he ever refer to it as Twitter? No, he refers to it as Twitter because it's Twitter. Come on, guys. Um, and this, the bullpen is at M1 Texans fan on on YouTube. If you want to find it there, we're available on uh, Spotify, Apple Music. So our Apple podcast, sorry, didn't mean to misdirect you there. So you would have probably figured it out. Um, but if you want to find us there, whichever one you're listening to, if you want to switch mediums, that's cool. I put, post the full episodes on my Twitter account. If you want to find it there, you feel like sitting in the Twitter app and watching this. Or if you are, thank you. Appreciate you. Um, and the PSF app. Tom's going to be calling this game. Uh, we signed up for this before I knew I was going to the game in person. So hate to leave you flying solo. Uh, I'll, I'll always be the goose to your maverick any other day, uh, <laughs> but that day. Um, so download the PSF app. It's the future of sports and watching with fellow fans. Uh, so get get on the app, hop in the Texans chat. It was really lit uh, during the Cardinals game, and I'm hoping to carry that momentum forward. I might pop in at halftime to see how it's going. Love to let you all know how it's going in NRG, especially if we're up. Um, and then also, as I mentioned on Monday, I'll mention it again because you're listening this far into the podcast. You deserve this information. I'll be at the game. I'll have 10 of these stickers. They are Safe and Stroud stickers. If you can't see them, I hope you can hear them. They look really nice um, if you're listening on the podcast. But if you can find me in Section 116 during the game, first 10 people will get one of those. So hop in. I, I, I'm not tweeting about this until probably today. This is Friday? Yeah, today. So you have a little bit of an advantage if you listened. So you're welcome for that. Um, yeah, and this has been the bullpen. Thanks for listening. Like, comment, subscribe, or whatever it is you do wherever you're at. Um, and vamos Texans. Let's go. Let's get this dub against the Jaguars and take the AFC South.